Hello and welcome to my very first episode of Caregiver's Story. This is a podcast where I talk to folks who have either had to care for their loved ones or have been in a situation where someone in their family has cared for their loved ones and we talk about all the things that people should know to educate and build awareness on being a caregiver. The closest thing to my heart is dementia, so that will be something that we tackle as well on this podcast. Since my mom was diagnosed in 2013 when she was uh, 64, she was diagnosed with early onset dementia and just has no short-term memory. But yeah, staggering number of the number of people who are living with dementia and it was 17 million people that are caregivers for those people who are living with dementia. So we definitely want people to be having a conversation about the what if they live, not if they die, and what do you want to happen to you if you do live, what kind of care would you like, what kind of plan do you have, and all that great stuff. So this is my very first podcast on this topic, and today I have a friend with me that was brave enough to not be on camera, but to be on this (laughs) podcast with me to talk about her experience. And I'm gonna introduce her right now, my friend, Shane Clements. Hi, Shane. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, happy to be here to help you with your very first podcast on caregiving. Thank you. So Shane, tell me a little bit about the background story as it relates to your mom and her passing away of cancer and all that came with that. Well, my mom was diagnosed with inoperable lung cancer in 1999. How old were you? I was 23. Okay. The doctors told her that she could live with the lung cancer if they were able to keep it small with treatments such as chemotherapy. And so for months on end, she took chemotherapy. She was doing fine. The tumor was stayed small. It didn't spread. And then I believe it was around January or February, the tumor started growing and they looked into doing radiation, but they couldn't do radiation on that particular side of her body because previously before the lung cancer, she had had breast cancer and she had had a mastectomy on that side with radiation. So they weren't able to radiate the same side. Mm -hmm. So at that point, there was really nothing they could do. It was kind of a mild death sentence, if you will. And then in April, she called me and told me that the, the cancer had spread from her lung to her brain. Mm-hmm. How long was that? What kind of time frame was that? From? So she was first diagnosed in July. Mm-hmm. So from July to April. April. Okay, so just like a couple months. About, About eight year. months. Okay. So then at that point, I flew up to Baltimore, which is where she lived, and was visiting with her. I was an apartment locator at the time, so I couldn't be gone for too long, but I I did a quick trip and she was fine. I met with her at her house and we were talking and laughing and she was normal. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. tell she was sick, but she was normal. And we went down to her basement to look at some of her old records and she was an entertainer Mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know in the sixties, she's on the Bob Hope show and the Dean Martin show. And so we were down there kind of looking at old pictures and old records and reminiscing. And then it was time to go upstairs for dinner and we started to walk up the stairs from the basement and she didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. So Mm. it kind of happened. It attacked that part of her brain pretty fast. And then from that night, the next day she went into a hospice facility. So wait a minute. So before this happened, was she having anyone care for her or she was, she was just living with it 
dealing with it, to doing medication, yeah. self-care, all that great stuff. Yeah, probably mm -hmm. managing the pain, if anything, because, okay. you know, the chemotherapy wasn't working. They couldn't do radiation. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like you got to just Take wait. Its course. Your days yeah. are, are more numbered than normal. Okay. So after that happened... I had to fly back to Dallas, get my affairs in order because I knew that I was going to be going back up there to care for her. No one knew how long she had. Mm -hmm. So I flew back down to Dallas and I would say it was probably not even a week, maybe two weeks. And I was out with a client. My broker called me back to the office and told me that the hospice facility had called and that she wouldn't, she wasn't going to make it through the night so that I needed to get back up there. So I left work, got a ticket. Flew back up there, flew into D.C., drove to Baltimore, and was at the hospice facility for seven days with her, caring for her around the clock until that was it. Mm. I'm an only child, so okay. my whole entire family, I didn't know my mom's side of the family. She didn't have a big, big side of the family, but everyone in my dad's side of the family lives in Dallas, so I was... There by yourself. Yeah. Had you talked to her about anything about what she had prepared, what she want done. No, and I think because because of that situation, I was only up there for, I mean, I had just flown in that day and that night is mm -hmm. when, like I'd only been there for a few hours. Yeah, but when you were there previously, when you went to go visit her before you went home to, you know, go wrap up things, did you not have a conversation with her about No, not the really. What ifs? No, because I think more, I think when you're, when you're kind of given that sentence, mm -hmm. for lack of better words, your first thought is, I need to spend time with this person. You don't think about all the things that you probably should think about, mm -hmm. which are the things you're talking about on your podcast about caregiving and what to do, not just when they're alive, but when they die also. It's, they're both important. Mm -hmm. But I think when you get that kind of news about your mother and you're a mom and you're having to share that news with your only daughter, you don't think to yourself, okay, well, here are these bills and this is what needs to be paid and this mm -hmm. this piece of furniture goes to this person. Like you don't think about those things when you know that you've got limited time. Mm -hmm. So it's just human nature to kind of just be in the moment mm -hmm. and then nobody, I don't think, expected it to go that fast. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever does. No. So once she passed away, you were left with the task, for better mm -hmm. words, to wrap everything up and what was that experience like completely miserable because not only are you dealing with oh my gosh you know my mom just died mm -hmm. you know and not being able to <clears throat> to grieve or right. grieve or grieving either one you're either grieving or you're not grieving but at right. the same time you got to manage all this other stuff yeah and plus i mean you know i'm i live in dallas and she's in baltimore all of her things are in baltimore mm -hmm. and i was up there I had a friend of mine up there with me for a little bit. And plus, my mom grew up on the East Coast. She was born in Brooklyn. So one of the radio stations in Baltimore, they dedicated an entire day, just played her music oh, on awesome. repeat, like different mm -hmm. songs. And so the first thing I did was I had to have some sort of a memorial. I knew I wanted to bury her in Dallas mm -hmm. so that my kids and I could visit her. But I knew I needed to have a memorial there for her with all of her fans, with her friends that were there. Yeah. That was kind of the first thing I figured out was the memorial. I had her cremated. I did all of this on my own with the help of one of her grade school friends that was there with me. Mm -hmm. But then I, I got everything together for the memorial, had a beautiful memorial for her there, and then flew home with her, with her ashes. Well, there's a lot that happened before I flew back. Mm -hmm. So we had the memorial and then I had to pack up her entire house, which meant I had to go in and I had it. I mean, obviously it's a little bit easier. I'm her only child. So clearly everything went to me. Yeah. You know, so I had to pack up her house. I had to determine what I was going to pack and take, what I wasn't going to take. Mm -hmm. 
I had to see about you know selling her car. I had to see about going in with her bank account and closing out her bank account. She only had a couple of bills, like she only owed a couple of a couple of bills that weren't anything crazy. So I just paid those. Mm-hmm. But just really like managing that whole process with, you know, you just lost your parent. I mean, all of it happened within like a seven to 10 day period. So planned a memorial, you know, contacted the funeral home. Like there's a lot of stuff that I had to do, but you, you just kind of go through the motions and take the steps one at a time. Yeah. And process it as you go. Right. Well, it's definitely something that I don't think any parent wishes to have to go through and any child has to go through. But I know a friend of mine told me once that the best gift her mother ever gave her was that she paid for her funeral mm. and that all they had to worry about was <clears throat> what dress for her to wear. And that was as odd as you think. She said that was tough. It's brutal. It's brutal yeah. to think about that. So looking back, no parent wants to have to have their child go through that and no child wants to have to go through that as well. Mm-hmm. But would you do anything differently? Well, absolutely, yes. I think in my case, I got really lucky because we had a good friend of our family who had purchased a plot at this all-Catholic cemetery that my mom's buried at now. And so this old friend of the family's had purchased a, a plot for her mom and then had purchased a plot next to her mom probably for her. Mm -hmm. And her name was Margaret. She was, I mean, very close to my family, went to high school with my dad, knew my mom. When she found, when she heard my mom passed away, I was fortunate because as a gift to me, to help me, Margaret gave me that plot. Mm. So the only thing I had to pay for was her tombstone. Mm -hmm. I think looking back, it's not like my mom left me with a pile of debt and I had to, you know, so I think Mm -hmm. she took care of a lot of things, really kind of scaled her life down to where I wouldn't have all of those responsibilities when, yeah. when this did happen. You just wrap it up a lot easier. Right. So I think the only way that I could have probably been more prepared for this situation is it was so sudden in a sense. It was sudden and it wasn't sudden. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say, you know, it's not every day somebody just gives you a plot. Mm-hmm. So I think looking back, I was lucky to have received it. But if I had to change anything, it would be to put money towards, you know, where I want to be buried Mm-hmm. So that when it comes time for my kids to have to do that, they're not scrambling around trying to, to trying to find money to do that. Because I know I scrambled around trying to figure that part out. Right. So Shane, have you done the steps or made a plan for your children so they know what to do in the case of first, if you are unable to take care of yourself and live, but you need someone to help you? Have you have you done that? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Why? Well, a few reasons. One, and I'm not saying these are the right reasons, okay? But I'm just, you asked me a question, so I'm answering you honestly. (laughs) I have a very large family. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed and fortunate for that. Okay. I have younger children, so if something were to happen to me, you know, God forbid, in the next, you know, couple of years, I mean, I have family members. My children won't have to worry about this, Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. What about your father? He wouldn't have to worry about it because my family... My Latino family is very tight-knit, and everybody kind of comes together when, when tragedy strikes our family, which... And they all know what, exactly what you want. Honestly, I don't really care after I'm gone as far as what I want. Like, if oh, anything, so I don't have to show up to your funeral then. No, 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 I do care about that. <laughs> if anything, what I care about, honestly, all I care about is that my children are taken care of, 
-hmm. and that whatever money I have or I had to my name Mm -hmm. is split evenly amongst the two of them. Mm -hmm. And other than that, like, I don't care about where I'm buried. I don't necessarily care. I mean, I don't want them to bury me in the backyard, but I also don't need like some extravagant. Mm -hmm. But didn't you just say that you wish that you would do that differently? You would, you would. I wish I, I would want the, the financial means but we're talking about two different things because if it falls on my kids, then yes. Oh, you have a plan ready for them. Yes, if, if it fell on them. But okay. like literally if I were to pass away in the next, I mean, three years, mm-hmm. my children wouldn't have to worry about any of this. Okay. Now, if I were to pass away when they're in their 30s and their 40s. You're going to have that conversation with them. I would have this conversation with them way before that. Yeah. Okay. I think right now, and I'm, and I think it's good to have, and I agree with you, like I think it's good to have these conversations. I think with the ages that my kids are at though, they're going to listen and they're going to hear me, but they're not going to retain anything. I think for me, I need to get a will created. Mm-hmm. So you um, don't even have a will? No. Okay. Like I think I need to, as far as like medical directives, you know, yes. I don't, I don't want to be put on life support for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. You need, to, you need to get put in place. Right. Okay. But as far as like who's going to divvy up my furniture Who's going to take care of my car? Yeah, no. That wouldn't be on them for years. Yeah. Well, but that's not really what this is about. That's this, I'm talking more about the, you know, what you want done, what you're, you know, if you want to be cremated, you want to be... I don't know if I want to be cremated. Okay. Do you want to be cremated? I do. But, you know, if you want to be buried, like, like all that stuff, you know, you need to have that conversation with somebody mm-hmm. because nine times out of ten, we all know... When somebody's grieving, they're doing what they think is best, but it's really might not be what's in the best wishes of that person. And if you have it all paid for or even just lined out, not even paid for, let's just say just lined out where they know that's one less thing that whether it's your your dad or your aunts, your uncles, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. We all come together. However, yeah, or saying. your children, you just want to make sure that it's planned. But they need to know where I want to be buried. Yes, and everything. All it's, of that, yeah. It's not even about the stuff. You know, right. the stuff is irrelevant. The stuff will all go to you. Oh, yeah. They get nothing. You hear that. You hear that, kids? Did you get that on recording? <laughs> Everything goes to Kimberly Scott. <laughs> Just kidding. And I'm giving it all away. Yeah. Uh, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> but really, in the end, the biggest thing that I want you to take away from this is that you have the conversation with your children about the what if you live? What if you're no longer able to take care of yourself? And, you know, because it could happen... If you had a stroke, it could happen. If you had a heart attack, it could happen. If that you, might happen after this podcast, possibly. <laughs> but for you, just to have a, a, a small conversation mm-hmm. with your dad, you know, if your kids are too young, okay, no problem with your dad. Hey, dad, I got this taken care of. I got this, you know, long-term care. When my mom got sick and diagnosed with dementia, I immediately got long-term care. I had someone explain it to me. I can't explain it to you. I just mm-hmm. know it means that nobody else will have to worry about me if I get sick because my mom didn't have a plan and that's the hardest thing to figure out. I think people need a checklist. I think you need yeah. a checklist because I'm working on that. But yes, when people you do. get sick immediately or you know they're sick, you're not sitting there going, "Okay, what do I, you know, you're the first a lot of things go through your head." Right. It's different for everyone. Yeah. You need a checklist for sure. But still, things should be for you. I'm trying to nudge on your emotions, mm-hmm. the fact that you do have two small children. So, we are going to wrap this up, but why? I'm having so much fun. I'm sure. But the yeah. whole point of this podcast is to bring awareness and get people to have tough conversations about the if you live. 
what and where and what should someone do if you can't take care of yourself and especially of you children because me as that child you know I'm the daughter of a woman who discovered she had dementia at 64 very young and physically very healthy it was a year and a half of craziness and like sadness and stress and you know the one word that people I know hate to hear and and it's very hard to use in the same sentence with my mother, but it was a burden. It was a huge, overwhelming task. So anyways, the whole point of this is for people to have conversations. Yes, and yes. And, and to get them to do something about it. Yes, because unfortunately, tomorrow is promised to no one. Correct. And none of us know what tomorrow brings, and especially when you have smaller kids. And I feel very hypocritical talking like this when I haven't done it myself. It's one of those things where I know I need to do it. So go do it. But, but you think life happens, right? And, and stuff happens and you, you, okay, I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'll take care of that later. That, that's not, I'm not going to go anywhere tomorrow. I'm fine. But the reality is, is you could. And I think that there are different stages that you need to focus on. And right now, just because I'm not 50 or 60 years old and I don't have any kind of, you know, disease that I've been diagnosed with. Doesn't matter. I'm still in an early stage. There's still a stage. Yes. And so. You're going to go do it. Well, thank you, Shane. Well, thank you, Miss Scott. <laughs> this has been riveting, and I hope that everyone has learned from what I have had to say this evening. And go take care of your stuff. Listen to Kimberly. She's been there. She lives through it on a daily basis. Go get it done. Because <laughs> not everybody has daughters like Kimberly. So you better figure it out. You're going to be put in a hole. Thank you, Shane. You're Love welcome. you. Love you more. <laughs> you can go to thatkimberly.com forward slash just to listen and choose where you want to listen to the podcast, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and now Amazon Alexa. And you can always follow me on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn. And until next week, remember sharing is caring and make sure you have that conversation with your family members and what that plan will be. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Kimberly.